0: All right, and welcome back to Behind the Gorilla. This is part two of our discussion of our personal top ten WrestleMania matches and moments. And so, without further ado, let's get right back to it. What a week it's been. So much
1: to talk about. And so many things we can't talk about.
0: I'm Mark. I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, so my what are we on? Six? Uh yeah. All right. My number six. We're going to um this is I think my most recent one. Yeah, this is my most recent one out of all of these. We're going to WrestleMania thirty-three. Two thousand and seven. Okay.
1: It's not two thousand and seven.
0: Seventeen. <laughs> I missed the one. Okay. And we have a um a tag team match. Triple threat tag team match. It's a ladder match for the uh, Raw Tag Team Championships. And you got I believe Luke, I didn't you see got, this coming. You got Luke Gallows and Carl uh, Anderson. You have Seamus and, Ces- and Cesaro, and you have Enzo and Cass, who I don't care how stupid each of them are, I still miss Enzo and Cass as a tag team, because they were fantastic, they and they were so much fun to watch.
1: Um, they really
0: were. It's too bad they're all stupid. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they're, they're all in the ring, they've done their entrances, they're ready to go, and all of a sudden, the New Day comes out, and they are the, uh, the hosts, and they're, they're not wearing their normal like flashy jackets and hats and everything. They're kind of just in their ring gear. And everyone's kind of like, oh, well, I guess they're going to come in to this match. Because they even say that there's going to be a fourth person. And then this happens. That there is one more team involved in this match. Whoo. Now, yeah. Whoo, who, who. I wonder... Who this fourth team could possibly be? What? Oh my, you gotta be kidding me. Things are about to be broken. And that is one of the greatest moments in the history of WrestleMania and is probably the greatest single moment for me ever in wrestling. Like, because you don't understand one. Jeff Hardy is my favorite person. He's my favorite wrestler. And he had been gone since 2009 when Punk retired him. He had not been back in WWE. Matt left, I think, the next year. So they haven't been back in like six or seven years at this point, and then and you know, and the the funny thing is we all knew they were coming back at this point because they had finished with Ring of Honor, they'd done that great ladder match with the with the Bucks, and we knew they were coming back. But you know, you kind of expect that's that's a raw that's a raw after Mania moment, for the most part. They don't usually shoehorn stuff into WrestleMania for the most part, and so you're not thinking about it. And then all of a sudden this happens and freaking ballistic. Oh, it was the greatest thing. It was it was probably the greatest single like second ever for me in re- wrestling wise.
1: That is you can't see me right now but I've been grinning from ear to ear ever since you played that clip because every time I watch it it somehow just gets better. And I knew, because I was, I was very into wrestling at this point, so you, you, you're right, I remember the buzz, and the general vibe was like, hey, they've re-signed, they're going to be coming back, maybe they're going to be doing the broken stuff, but nobody thought it would be at WrestleMania. No. I mean,
0: nobody. Nope.
1: And that's so rare today, that something like that happens, that just completely floors everyone, even the smartest smart fans,
0: you mm-hmm. know? Oh, it was or amazing. Did.
1: Everything about that, the fact that they came out in their ring gear, just that little touch, like it wasn't the same stuff they'd had on all
0: night. Yeah, the New Day, yeah.
1: So you think you figured it out. Yeah, I'm sorry. So you think you've figured it out. You're like, oh, they're going to reveal that they're in it. That's pretty cool. And when the music hits, there's a half second of silence as, you know, 100,000 people recognize it and the switch flips and then it's just the loudest pop you'll ever
0: hear. It's one of the loudest pops in, in the history of wrestling. Um, this is a moment and that and that that, that's saying so much because you don't get these now like you you don't get this type of pops in wrestling nowadays it just the crowds just don't care as much as they used to in a lot of instances so to get something this big is so awesome
1: and it's the fact that they've been gone for so long too not only was it unexpected but they were huge and they were gone like i love i lost my mind and I don't even have an emotional connection to either of them the way you do, like the only comparable thing that could ever possibly beat it. And it's it won't cause it's never going to happen. But the only thing that could ever come close to that would be punk. And, the, you know, like there, there is nothing else on that level that they could do. And even then, again, I don't think that's ever going to happen like this right. is such an insane moment and i wish i could have watched this one with you yeah why, happened, why didn't we watch this together
0: lose why didn't like, we want that. why weren't you that why weren't we together watching this
1: I don't remember because I know we knew each other at right. that point, but I don't remember what was happening so, or where I was. I
0: think you were you had like gone home or something like that. Like I don't think you were in town because I watched this with Jalen. I remember that, but I remember you weren't in town for for whatever reason. Okay, I, do remember that. I
1: don't remember, but Mark, I literally like I had a freak out along with everyone else watching. And like the second thing I thought was, oh, Mark is gonna lose his mind."
0: Oh, it was amazing! Like I'm telling you, so this, happy for you, this and Goldberg beating Lesnar are the two greatest single moments I've gotten to witness in wrestling history for me. Like think- by far, by far, those are the two. Those are above yeah. everything else. Because because again, a lot of stuff. What you know, I because this has to be from 2008 on. You know, as far yeah. as me watching stuff live, so those are by far best moments. So that was my yeah, five. I-
1: I can't believe I forgot to put that on my list, frankly, but yeah, it's, it's gotta be up there. I guess the only reason I didn't was because like I said, I just, I didn't know the Hardys before they showed back up. So to me, it was a great moment, but it wasn't one. I was as invested in, but yeah, great. And, moment
0: well, And the sure. match was great too, because, you know, I mean, yeah. they, they gave him the titles, So they won the titles. Jeff Hardy hit a 20 foot swanton bomb off a ladder through Cesaro yeah, and Sheamus through ladders. Like it was, it was great. Matt Hardy hit a twist of eight off the top of a ladder, like on, uh, on Cesaro, I think. I mean, it was, it was great. And then they won the match on top of all of it. So it was, it was great.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep. So that's five for me.
1: That's five for you. There's six for you.
0: No, that was five. Right. Oh,
1: okay. Well, I'm on five now I because our numbers got thrown off. That's right. Number five for me is kind of the polar opposite of another moment I've already alluded to. I'm talking about The Undertaker's entrance at WrestleMania 20.
0: Yeah, I knew you were going to put that one on there.
1: Yeah, yeah, buddy. You know it because uh- – Unlike Punk, who is... I, I like to watch because that's a cool character study because he's doing everything in his power to not let this guy get to him. And it kind of feels like he's almost overcompensating a little bit because he really is scared. Kane is terrified. Yeah. Because this is... W- when Kane... Kane had killed off the Undertaker a few months prior, buried him alive, and the Undertaker was dead as far as he was concerned, but he only killed Biker Taker. He could never kill the dead man. <laughs> And this is the WrestleMania where Undertaker, he hasn't even shown up yet. You haven't seen him since he's been buried alive. He's just haunting Kane. Kane comes out to have a eulogy. The bell rings and the lights go off, you know, and then there's lightning and earthquakes. And Kane is just being driven insane by the ghost of his dead brother. He makes his entrance at WrestleMania 20. He's stalking back and forth in the ring. And you can tell he's like, there isn't going to be a match. Nothing's going to happen because the undertaker's dead and then all the druids come out and then you hear paul bearer come out and then you hear the bell and the lights go out and everyone just loses their mind and when you see the camera kind of pan up the ramp and you see that silhouette of the undertaker emerge for the first time in months it's incredible like it's it's the best sports entertainment moment. I think on this list, just in terms of the pageantry and the entrance and all that kind of stuff that you love when you talk about wrestling, but you don't associate like with a match because the match is completely mediocre. Like it doesn't matter. Nobody cares about the match. You want to see undertaker come out and squash this guy. And it's not quite a squash, but he beats him without really breaking a sweat. You're just like, this is right. Because did you see the undertaker's back? He's the dead man. Like it's such a cool moment. It is. In the most, like, theatrical sense of wrestling, it's just, it's just great. And I love to go back and watch it, because Kane sells it like pure death. <laughs> He He's does. Just terrified. He's like, no, no, I killed you. And The Undertaker's just staring at him. It's great. It's probably my, mm, it feels messed up to say that my favorite Undertaker moment is an entrance and not a match. But it's it's at least my favorite Undertaker entrance of all time,
0: easily. Yeah. yeah, that that is perfectly fair. And to be honest, WrestleMania 20 is the other one where I almost kind of wanted to put the whole thing on, like 24. because those are probably mm-hmm. the biggest just WrestleManias for me because 24 was the first one I was kind of live for. And then 20 was probably the first one I ever watched because my dad had that one on DVD for some reason. And nice. like he had three, he had uh, four WrestleManias, and it was WrestleMania 8, because it was Ric Flair, WrestleMania 10, WrestleMania 12, and then WrestleMania 20 for some reason. Huh. And 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 twenty and that was the only thing that my dad had that had Rey Mysterio on it. So I used to watch that all the time, like for a, a couple years when I first got into wrestling. So That's awesome. I love WrestleMania 20. And it's a great show, too, on top of that. But yeah, yeah. so that, I'm very familiar with that moment, and it is... Absolutely fantastic. And we will get back to WrestleMania 20 in just a little bit. But we're going to move down to number four. We're going to stick with the same theme we had in the last one. And that is the Hardy Boys. We're going to WrestleMania 2000, which is WrestleMania 16. And the first ever TLC match, even though it wasn't technically because it was actually the first triangle ladder match. But it turned into a TLC match. And this one is just... This is the match that probably had more influence on me than anything because I tried to mimic a lot of this stuff and You tried it at home, didn't you? Oh, oh, well, everything. Um, they
1: say not to do that, Mark.
0: Come no, on. they no, I'm pretty sure it says please try this at home.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm pretty you, sure might it right. does. you might be right. You might be right.
0: Just be careful. I thought that was what it was about. Just you be careful be. when you try this at home. Um, Don't
1: try this at home unless you really want to grab the brass ring.
0: Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um so I mean this this basically started like spot fest ma- uh, spot fest matches in WWE, I feel like. Cuz I mean this thing is just nuts. I mean it is it's like a match on cocaine. I mean it is it's fantastic. It's wild. There's no structure whatsoever. There's no psychology no. whatsoever, and it does not matter cuz it's awesome. You have the Dudleys, the Hardys, and Edge and Christian in a triangle ladder match for the tag team titles. And it, I'm telling you, this is probably one of the bigger, biggest match, single match influences for me ever. I mean, it's just, it's great. I used to do swanton bombs off of trampolines and off of brick walls and off ladders and stuff, wrestling with people. Um, and it was a lot of fun. But, uh, like, some great moments from this match. Matt Hardy nearly breaks his neck on the bottom rope after he... Christian hits a Russian leg sweep on him off of the ladder, like, to the ground, and he lands, like, an inch from the bottom rope, like, his head. Like, so that 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 stands out. We almost Jeez. lost Matt there. Um, although that happens about 50 times and someone almost dies in this match. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the first ever use of the overhead camera, like, the one that, that comes, like, yeah. from the ceiling, because I, I don't know for sure, but the way the announcers are talking about it, I feel like it is. <laughs> and yeah, it's Lawler, a Lawler ends up dubbing it the Wiley coyote camera um which is what he calls it for like a, a years he calls it that which is great funny. um it I think it's the first ever like six men six men on three ladders at the same time fighting spot um so that's that pretty would, cool that makes sense and then they all collapse like off the ladders in different ways
1: the yeah. Dudleys
0: end up building a platform with a table draped across two ladders like under the belts which is yeah. awesome. Um, and that's gonna come into play. Matt Hardy gets power bombed off the announcer's table through a table onto the floor by Bubba and it just looks like he's dead um that was an awesome moment but uh, bubba th- but then the moment of the match of course we're out on the uh entrance ramp. Bubba clocks Christian um with the bell or uh no Christian uh, yeah Christian clocks Bubba with the ring bell and lays him out on the table which is for some reason under a 20 foot ladder. Jeff Hardy shows up, clears Christian out of the way, climbs to the top of this ladder, and hits a swanton bomb off of the ladder onto the ground, and it is absolutely amazing. Night, and, night, and sounds, that is just one of the best moments in wrestlemania history it sounds insane
1: to say this but the scariest part of that to me every time i watch it is the fact that he's standing on top of the ladder
0: right and he always the does one where,
1: correct i didn't just watch it obviously but this is the one where it wobbles for like half a it second. it does
0: and it does yeah he's
1: this close to just eating it yep. like he's this close and then he hits it, but
0: and I and the funny thing is, distinctly. the funny thing is, the table is too close to the ladder. So when he drops, he like hits the back end, so so he crashes through. But then it it rights him, so he lands directly on his tailbone on on the gr- on the ramp, and he said oh. he couldn't walk for like a couple of days after that. But somehow he didn't break anything, and Jeez. but it's just it's one of the best moments ever, and it's probably this. Eh, second best Jeff Hardy moment ever. I, I still think when he hit that 30-foot swanton off the scaffolding onto Randy Orton on Raw before the Royal Rumble in 2008 is probably the best moment. But this was the first, I think this was the first one of these kind of crazy Jeff Hardy spots. I mean, he done some crazy ones, but this was the first, like, massive one that I think had yeah. ever happened. And it's just at the perfect moment in the match, and it's great. Um, then back in the ring, Matt Hardy is going to the top. He's on that like table thing across the two ladders, about to grab the titles. Here comes Edge and Christian. They flip him off, and he crashes through a table that's in the ring, and it just explodes, and it looks awesome. <laughs> and then Edge and yeah. Christian win the match. But it is, it's one of the best, just crazy spot fest matches you could possibly have, and it, it's, it's just fantastic. All, all three yeah. of them are fantastic, but I, I, I went with the first one.
1: That's fair. I believe you used the word cocaine.
0: Yeah, that's what Earlier it is. in
1: describing this match, that's about right.
0: Yeah, that's, it's it's at a million miles an hour, and the and how all of the competitors aren't dead, we'll never know. Yeah,
1: and it it's funny that this I I keep thinking about this, but this is the time of year when I try to get my casual friends to watch wrestling with me, so I'm always thinking about like good first matches to show people. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to go the Ric Flair route of like a really good character contained story in a match go for one of these,
0: like mm-hmm. the SpotFest cocaine oh, yeah. matches.
1: Like this this one or the TLC match at X7.
0: Or the one, one at SummerSlam just... is great, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I believe... They're all you know, great. I- any of those are great choices, so that that's an excellent choice.
0: Mm-hmm. So, that that oh, is my, uh, I think we're on fourth. So that was my fourth.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah. Moving on. Um, this one... I think needs no introduction. If you know anything about me or when I started watching wrestling, good God, you're gonna know what this is.
0: I hope this it's isn't the what first I think pay-per-view it
1: is the first pay per view I ever watched. It's the match that really confirmed that I was a wrestling fan. The match that I realized how much fun wrestling could be. It's the Triple Threat at WrestleMania 30. There's really not that much that hasn't already been said about this match, but I just I want to point out two things in particular. One. Uh- Randy Orton takes one of the nastiest bumps I've ever seen that doesn't involve like a great height because they 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 hit Daniel Bryan with a Batista bomb into an RKO which is a perfect wrestling finisher <laughs> cuz <'cause> it's like <laughs> it makes video game logic but it doesn't make real logic. Right. But you see it and you're like, "Oh yeah, so that's double the damage." Obviously. <laughs> and Randy Orton does this RKO through a table. And lands right on a monitor, just straight into the oh! I
0: forgot back. about that. Oh yes, I remember that. Oh and gosh! You,
1: you watch it and you can hear the audio cut out as Randy goes oh, and he just starts swearing because <laughs> you could just you can tell immediately. You're like he didn't break anything. That's just that hurts me watching it. Like right. it's one of the worst. Not even injuries. He just got hurt. It's one of the worst got hurt spots I've ever seen. Yeah, it's bad. God bless Randy Orton for it. He's a professional.
0: Isn't he, he bleeding? Right Isn't his, his back bleeding after it? What? Was his yeah, back like, it, I think it was, I think I remember it like being cut, like in like bleeding where he landed on that thing. I can't remember though.
1: It was some, it wasn't, it didn't even look like he was busted open, you okay. know, like when they blade or whatever, well, he'd yeah. bleed a little bit. There was some blood, but it was honestly more from, like, the abrasion of the thing. Because it was blunt. It was like a television monitor. Like right, maybe the right. corner of it.
0: Yeah, that's but what I meant. But it wasn't,
1: like, a sharp object or, right. like, yeah, yeah, I know. glass or thumbtacks or anything like that. It was just a blunt corner right into his spine. Yep. And it's absolutely brutal. But that's, that's not why this is <laughs> one of my favorite matches. Obviously, I just like to point that out because I feel like that should be appreciated. Fair. But if we it's popular to crap on Michael Cole and I get it. Sometimes Vince McMahon feeds him things to say that he thinks are going to be iconic calls, but just end up being kind of dumb. One of them, like people come, that, that's come to mind a lot, people like to point out is, uh, when Shane jumped off of hell in a cell, Michael Cole said for the love of mankind as he jumped and it was really bad. And everyone went, wait, did he just like kind of took away from the moment for a second? <laughs> This is not one of those moments. When you think about it, and this is something that the show that we do has actually given me a new appreciation for. Because when you think about Michael Cole and Daniel Bryan's history, at the time I didn't understand this. But Michael Cole made his name as a heel trashing guys like Daniel Bryan. When that heel turn first began, Michael Cole is the one who's like, no, he's too little and weird and he's a vegan. He shouldn't be the champion. And that was kind of the beginning of Heal Michael Cole, which we've already talked about, went on for too long. That's
0: not, that's not, that's not. Yeah, it was generally (laughs) a bad and
1: dumb thing. But we're past that now. So when we get to the moment where Daniel Bryan locks in the yes lock, who is the voice in my head every time I see this image going, tap out Batista, tap out Batista, while I was at home going, tap out Batista, tap out Batista. It's Michael Cole. It's a really cool moment when you think about how far he's come. And I know they don't really acknowledge it in kayfabe, but knowing the history and knowing that story, that Michael Cole is the biggest cheerleader in that moment for Daniel Bryan. And like any veil of objectivity that he has is long gone. And he's openly cheering for Daniel Bryan against Batista. And that's how the match wraps up. That's a really iconic moment for me. That's one of my favorite moments where he goes, Top out, Batista! Tap out Batista. <laughs> Batista's going to tap. And then he does. That never happens. When you call something like that, it's amazing. Like that's one of my favorite moments in all of wrestling. Definitely one of my favorite WrestleMania moments. And Michael Cole, for all the crap that we give him, I'm going to give him his due diligence. He makes that moment even better. Yeah. He makes that call perfect.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. That is an awesome moment. That is a fantastic WrestleMania moment. All right. All right. So, where are we? Three? Alright, so for my third, we're going back to a show we've already talked about. WrestleMania 20. Because again, as I talked about when Harris brought up WrestleMania 20, this is a big WrestleMania, just in my course of watching wrestling. And it has one of the best matches in the history of WWE, and definitely in the history of WrestleMania. As the main event, triple threat match, between the champion, Triple H, who at this point is like, this is, uh, oh, what was it called? When Triple Rain H... Reign of Terror? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's during the Reign yes. of Terror, Triple H. He's just been obliterating everybody at every step of the way, biggest heel. And you have Shawn Michaels, who's kind of been feuding with Triple H for a while now. And then you have the Royal Rumble winner in Chris Benoit, the up-and-comer who's been wrestling for like 20 years at this point, but... The the relatively still kind of new in WWE, I think he'd only been there maybe six, seven years, six years maybe, something like that, since he came in the late 90s over. Yeah, that seems right. And he is, you know, so he's going to be wrestling for this, but then in the build-up to the match, Shawn Michaels ends up getting himself into the match. Because, you know, all you have to do is attack people and then you get your way in wrestling. Um, So that happens and so it's going to be a triple threat match For the World Heavyweight Championship At Wrestlemania 20 And this match is I mean Again I hate triple threat matches They're almost never good You can name maybe like on one hand Five like great triple threat matches Maybe And this is definitely one of them And might be the best triple threat match of all time Because it is so perfect With each of these three they each have their own story of what they're doing in the match. And it just it fits together so well. This is one, I watched this a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't have a chance to uh, take notes on it um, for this time. I just didn't have time. and But it is, uh, it's just so good. You get Shawn Michaels gets his head busted open on the turnbuckle and is just pouring blood, like crimson mass to the max. Triple H ends up getting busted open as well. The only one who's not, in, which is interesting, is actually Chris Benoit who's the ultimate babyface in all this, which is kind of weird. It's a little backwards, but it works. And at one point, Triple H, because again, we've talked about this, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, you know, the best of friends, even when they're feuding. And so they end up teaming up and drive Benoit through an announcer's table at near the midpoint of the match. So Benoit is just out. Like, he's just done. Yeah. And they go at it for a while. And then I believe Shawn hits Triple H... With a sweet chin music, I want to say. I don't remember exactly. Again, I didn't have time to take notes on it this time. But And then after minutes, like 10 minutes, Benoit comes in and saves it. Gets back into the match. There's one point where Benoit gets Triple H in the Crippler Crossface, finally. And then Shawn comes out of nowhere and takes his head off with a sweet chin music. While he like has the Crippler Crossface on. It is awesome. It is such a great moment. But ultimately... The best part is the finish of this match when he finally gets – he throws Shawn Michaels out of the ring. He locks in the crossface on Triple H. He has it on. Triple H is slowly fighting, clawing his way to the ropes, gets over to the ropes, and then Benoit kicks off the ropes, spins around Mm -hmm. back in the middle of the ring, keeps it on. And, I mean, he holds this thing on for, like, it feels like 10 minutes. Like, he just keeps cranking on. Triple H won't tap. He won't tap. Like, the reign of terror will not come to an end. And it's funny that you mentioned the Daniel Bryan one with Michael Cole. Because this is the exact opposite. Jerry Lawler is openly cheering for Triple H. Because he's heeled mm. Jerry Lawler. And so he yeah. is constantly yelling, Don't tap Triple H! Don't tap Triple H! Hold on, Triple H! And then Triple H taps. And Benoit wins the title for the first time. Place goes crazy. It's a great moment, but then it gets even better because this happens. Also, JR's voice is gone because he's gone crazy. And this is also one of the best entrance themes of all time. But look, J.R., look. But this is in the ring. Eddie Guerrero, the WWE champion. But let's not forget the history of these two men. Eddie Guerrero with a heartfelt embrace on his friend, Chris Benoit. These men have traveled the world over so many times. And they're both sitting together. And it is just that is one of the best moments in the history of the WWE. And it and it makes it even more obviously a big deal because both of them are no longer with us for very you know for different reasons. But it is such a great moment. Eddie had an awesome match with Kurt Angle earlier, when he held on to the title. And so him coming in the ring, celebrating with Benoit, they're both the champions. These are the two. These are two of the guys who were told were too small, weren't going to make it, and defied all the odds and made it to the top. Are two of the greatest in ring workers ever. And it's such an amazing moment after such an amazing match. So. And then that mixed with just the fact that I, I saw I watched WrestleMania twenty so much growing up that this is this is my this is my three because it's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's a great choice. And I do love that JR, who's known for freaking out, has completely lost his voice. Just yep. to put that moment <laughs> over even more.
0: Oh, it's He's so freaked great. out so
1: much he can't even talk. That's it's, fantastic.
0: It's yeah. So that's my
1: three. Okay, so we've reached the point in the countdown now where where I'm I'm going to jump because my number three moment was the I'm sorry, I love you. And that super kick, which we already talked about. So bringing it back, number two. And this was kind of a hard thing for me to distinguish between number two and number one. But we're going to go back to WrestleMania 31. And kind of like WrestleMania 20 for you, like something you know personally is going to have a different sort of appeal for you. Right. And I didn't think about this. Until I was making this list, but like, I remember a lot more of WrestleMania 31 because that was like WrestleMania is always the season finale in a sense.
0: Well, it's it should be but when it's good, not, it is right.
1: In practice, that isn't always true, but you still kind of treat it like it sure, is, right? Like it all builds up to WrestleMania in your head, even if that doesn't always work out. Of course, this was in this in in this sense, this was the first WrestleMania like proper WrestleMania I ever watched because from the minute. Daniel Bryan won the titles at WrestleMania 30. I realized that this wasn't just like a fad for me or like a weird thing I thought I might be interested in. I was in and I tuned in every week that I could. And I watched as many of the pay-per-views as I could. I was there when the shield beat evolution. I was there when Seth Rollins stabbed his brothers in the back. So I got to watch this, this whole year of wrestling coming to an end at WrestleMania 31. And if I could have put a whole show on this list, it would have been this one for that reason. Because it felt like the season finale of all this different stuff that I'd seen play out in that year. And when you stop and think about it, like that's a good year of wrestling between The Shield and they're breaking up Seth Rollins and Dean and their feud. Seth joining the Authority and Sting coming in. Rusev is going on this reign of terror with the United States title and nobody can stop him except for John Cena. Like, There's a lot of really good stuff happening during this year. But of As soon as I said WrestleMania 31, I think you know what exactly I meant. And I just want to to point out, again, two things. Number one, obviously I'm watching this main event for the title as a massive Roman Reigns mark, which is an interesting way to watch his matches. because
0: I have no idea what that's like.
1: Yeah, he's not the underdog when he's fighting Brock Lesnar for the title, because you know he's probably going to win. Or you think he will, at least. But he is the underdog in the sense that you think he's probably not going to win over the fans. And as a fan of Roman (laughs) Reigns, watching him from that perspective, you want him to overcome the odds and win the crowd over. And that wasn't really happening tonight. Me and some of my other friends who are big Roman Reigns fans, we were kind of mad about it. Because we're like, look, he's good. Like, this is a really good match. He's the perfect foil for Lesnar if you, like, just on paper. Right. And I know, you know, you have problems with him, and I get the problems people have with him. But if you just stop and you say, okay, he was one of the hottest members of the hottest faction in the company last year, we made Lesnar look like a monster by beating The Undertaker. We broke up the faction, and we've been building this guy on a singles run all year to slay the beast and win the title at WrestleMania a year later. On paper, it makes perfect sense. And I get that people didn't really want to get behind it. I'm not, we're not going to have this whole argument or conversation again right now. But on top, in the midst of all that, he comes out to a chorus of boos. The crowd is crapping on the whole match. And they still knock it out of the park. It's bloody. It's brutal. And you really believe, for the first time probably since he beat the streak, that Lesnar is vulnerable. At least in a way, I can't think of another time that he looked this close to losing all year. And again, none of that would really matter because ultimately, you know, you're thinking, well, Roman's going to win and it's all going to go down the drain. And then Michael Cole does it again. He says something that at the time, it doesn't seem like anything. It it seems like Austin at the end of the WrestleMania X7 video package saying, I need to beat you more than anything in the world. You're just like, yeah, this is that's a good point. But when you watch it again, it's just it's art. And at this point, Lesnar is down. He's just hit another F five on Roman, but he can't get to his feet. He's exhausted. He's been beaten into a post. Reigns has eaten a couple F fives. Neither man can get to their feet. And Michael Cole just says, Who can capitalize?
0: The best part of that match is the fact that Roman got busted open. Because that was awesome. <laughs> and I don't hey I, I didn't actually mean that in like a making fun no, thing. I know that's what, what it mean. sounded like. It was it really it really helped. Like it, it added a lot to the match and it made it, it 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 helped Roman, I thought a lot. No, you're right. And it, it was awesome. It
1: just made it feel brutal. It yeah. made it feel like a real. It's a good fight match. Something. It's a really
0: good match. It's a very underrated match. I I will 100% give it that for sure. Right.
1: Well, it's something Lesnar had never really felt like he was that close to losing before. And you just watching it live, you have this sense. Like I said earlier, in any good wrestling match, one move, one way or the other, and it's over. You know, you're mm-hmm. in the end game. And Michael Cole says that he goes. Who can capitalize? And then the drums start playing. And everything clicks into place. And in this instant, you have this realization of, of course, and I never saw this coming
0: at once. It's
1: perfect. And it's Seth Rollins charging down to the ring, briefcase in hand. It's absolute pandemonium. The crowd realizes instantly what's happening and is so into it never never a money in the bank cash in at wrestlemania before certainly never in the main event and rollins closes out the show with a massive curb stomp to roman reigns steals the title and leaves it's it, like in that moment it shouldn't work because seth rollins is still a heel at this point but everyone's cheering for him even me who's a big roman reigns fan it's this weirdly meta moment where you you know in character if you don't like seth rollins that was a moment when I realized that they had fixed WrestleMania. That's just it's masterful booking. It's one of those things that seems so obvious in retrospect.
0: Sorry. I wanted I wanted to play the uh Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm glad you did.
0: screaming cover him. Time point the match. What the
1: hell? That's perfect.
0: I just wanted to play that That's absolute art. It's great.
1: I probably watched that match five times, like two or three times before I caught that Who Can Capitalize. Yeah. Right before Seth comes in. And that's one of those things that you're not supposed to notice it live.
0: Right, right.
1: It's it's a, for as much as we hate when Michael Cole is fed lines, that is one instance where it works perfectly.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. He said
1: exactly what he was supposed to say. That whole moment is choreographed and it's perfect. And Seth sells it. Seth is terrified. He's terrified that he's about to screw something up. And you get that manic energy from him and how desperate he is. And it's infectious. And it just, it saves, it saves the main event. It turns what was a really good WrestleMania into, I think, a great WrestleMania. And I don't think I give that show enough credit when I look back on it. I think I take a lot of it for granted, but it's brilliant. That's a great moment. That was like the end of the first season of wrestling I ever watched. I think about it that way. And it's awesome, man. It's just, it's one of my favorite wrestling moments of all time, bar none. So, certainly, certainly one of my favorite WrestleMania moments.
0: Yeah. No, that is a great one. That, that's an underrated one. I agree too. It's underrated just because of the fact that it's Roman. And so most people, right. inclu- including me for the most part, uh, disregard right. stuff like that. But I do I do forget how good of a match that is. Obviously, the moment's awesome. And that's the yeah. main thing that people remember. But it's a really good match. It is. It really yeah. is. So that is a, uh, that's a solid one. That is a solid one. All right. So my number two should be no surprise to anyone who's listened to the podcast. It's the greatest match I've ever seen live. And we're going to one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. WrestleMania 27 in 2011. In Atlanta, the first WrestleMania I got to go to live, it was the second ever wrestling show I ever got to see live. The first one was Michael the year.
1: Cole versus Jerry Lawler, am I right? What a great match. Is that not it? Is that not what you picked? Marks
0: mad at me now. Roman Reigns sucks, Harris. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, buddy. I cut you off in your build. Go back to it.
0: <sighs> anyway, back to uh, the <laughs> one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. <laughs> the one, of course, in Atlanta. The year before, uh, my first ever wrestling show was Royal Rumble in 2010, which is, is recognized as one of the better Royal Rumbles. For me, I still hate it because freaking Edge won, and I still don't understand why people cheered. But anyway, um, so now we go to the next year, WrestleMania 27. There's not a lot to write home about other than the fact that I was there and that was a big deal because it's freaking WrestleMania and that was awesome Um, in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Um, But yeah, it was very eh. And uh, so about the halfway point, Harris uh, beat me to it. We get the amazing moment of Michael freaking heel Cole versus Jerry King Lawler. In a garbage match, I'm pretty sure is what it was called. And, um, <laughs> that sounds like one. Stone Cold sounds was like out situation. there, so that was cool. So, I mean, I got to see Stone Cold live in person. That was probably the only good thing about that. And I got to see him stunner everybody after the match went to hell. And, um, whatever, that doesn't matter. But that had just happened. You got to bear that in mind. So, that helped with this moment. Um, <laughs> so that had happened. But now we come to the match that the only match that matters on this whole show. Undertaker versus Triple H. Now, you got to think of this. Undertaker has just come off three of his best matches, if you would ask most people, in WrestleMania. At 24 against Edge, and then in 25, obviously, against um, uh, Shawn Michaels, which we talked about earlier, and then 26, Uh where he retired Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Well, now it's kind of like, well, where do you go from here? Well, naturally, Triple H. Now, the thing that bugged me, because I hadn't watched this match in a while, and so I'm watching the the pre build up, you know the, the the video package, and it's really not that great. They're they're kind of building up Undertaker as the the lone gunslinger type thing. That that's kind of his character right now. The old guy, mm-hmm. very very Clint Eastwood. Um, mm-hmm. You know he's still hanging on. He's still kind of at the top, but declining that type of thing, and trying to stay at the top. And Triple H is coming to knock him off. Now you would think that the logical reasoning for starting this would be you just retired my best friend why would that not have been the build-up but that's not what it is the build-up is i'm triple h i've done everything but i haven't beat the streak which is just it's a lot less interesting than the other way around but it's still whatever it's still believable i think you're right to be fair the
1: biggest thing triple h has going for him as a threat is that he's triple H. Right and he'll put himself over it. Which we're getting
0: shot. to this. Um <laughs> and of course it's Triple H and of course he would put himself against the Undertaker for the streak. And the funniest part is they build this as the first matchup between these two when it's not. It's triple not. H has already <laughs> lost Undertaker at WrestleMania before, and Vince just throws that out the winner for his stupid has to be first. Oh gosh. Even when it's a lie. And um, so they don't talk about that—the fact that he's already failed before.
1: Was he Biker Taker the first time
0: though? Uh, to be honest, he might have been. I don't I remember. He, he might have been. Think he he might have been. Maybe he's going with the kayfabe
1: that it's a different person. Sure,
0: whatever. I guess the other one's dead, so this is a different Undertaker. Then how can streak be the same? But whatever. <laughs>
1: it's <laughs> it's actually twenty and one. That one with right. the dead, the, the Biker Taker doesn't count.
0: Anyway. It's different. So, you know, I still think they should have spun it as the other way. I think that would have made more sense, but they don't. I think you're right. And so we go to the match. Triple H has a pretty cool entrance. Of course, he always has the weird over-the-top entrances, but this one is pretty cool. Uh, it's like a Viking-type theme entrance, like a, or like either uh, that or like a knight type thing, and there's a bunch of extras out there with like shields and armor, and it's kind of cool, and Metallica's for whom the bell tolls is playing, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, that is only on the pay-per-view version, and once they came out with the DVD and now on the network, they changed the music and it's some generic bull crap. That sounds terrible, which is very disappointing. But if you look on Daily Motion, you can find the actual pay-per-view feed where it has the real music there. But this one's not a huge problem because, you know, once he once it kind of ends, he sheds the stuff and then it's the game starts playing Mm -hmm. and he comes down. Well, then Undertaker comes out now at this point. Undertaker has been using Johnny Cash's ain't no grave whenever he does stuff, which is just awesome. It is so awesome. Now, the Undertaker's theme is is great, too, but this is just fantastic. And it's that lone gunslinger thing. Like, it's just it's perfect. WWE takes that away too on the DVD and on the network, and they overdub with his actual his like regular theme, and it's just so frustrating that they do that. But if you go in Daily Motion and watch this one, you can actually get the entrance with the uh with uh the Johnny Cash song, which is awesome, and I highly recommend watching it that way first, because it's awesome. <laughs> And the fire, the fire at the, uh, the entrance ramp was pretty awesome, too. You have Triple H holding up, like, one finger, being like it only takes one, which is pretty cool. But this is just great.
1: There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down.
0: When I hear the trumpet sound, I'm rise right you have Undertaker right just coming out there. from Ain't the no ramp no, that kind of goes underneath the stage. Oh it's just, it's so good. And again, the entrance is 47 minutes long, so we're not going to play the whole thing, obviously. But I highly recommend going on Daily Motion and finding <laughs> this one to watch the entrances before you watch the match because it is, it's so much better. So much Man. better.
1: I, I never knew that. I'm going to have to go. To, I'm going to do that tonight because I think you've told me that, but I never knew about the Johnny Cash thing. I'm going to have to check that out.
0: Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's so cool. Um, so obviously all that's great. Um, the match, the match is is pretty wild. It's it's to be honest, this is the match I hope the Triple H Batista match is, where they're just mm-hmm. kind of beating the crap out of each other and hitting like a million finishers. Like I'm fine with that for a match like this. And, it, and I, I'm not a huge fan of the million finishers and false finishes and stuff for the most part, but in this match, it just works. Um, I can't even explain why, but it, it just does. But at the beginning of the match, Taker ends up throwing uh, Triple H over the top rope and outside, and then Triple H just tackles Taker through the freaking coal mine. Um, so the coal mine, unfortunately, makes an appearance you, in this match. but
1: If you have questions about what that is, just listen to our episode on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so we don't have to talk about it again and (laughs) there's just brutal shots going back and forth a lot of fighting outside the ring um there's a pretty awesome moment where triple h clears off the announcer's table and gets up on the top and he's gonna pedigree taker through it but then taker backdrops him off onto the floor and it looks very painful um and then of course triple h launches himself over the top rope onto triple h and doesn't land on his head this time like he did two years before so he's learned Um, triple H hits a spine buster on taker off the ring steps through the Spanish announce table, which is awesome. Uh, taker hits choke slams. And for two counts, there's a lot of sequence where they reverse like each other's different finishers, like several times. And then taker hits snake eyes and then he goes for the boot, but then triple H reversed and hits a spine buster. That was a cool spot. A chair comes into the ring and taker just destroys triple H's back with a chair shot. Like, it is one of the hardest chair shots I've ever seen. Like, you hear it sn- like snap throughout the arena, and it warps the chair after just one shot. Like, it's great. Jeez. Triple H ends up hitting a pedigree out of nowhere. Taker kicks out. The crowd is going ballistic at this point. The crowd is so loud. It's the only time in the whole show the crowd's really loud, except for when The Rock came out at the beginning. Um, Taker ends up hitting the last ride. Triple H kicks out again. He hits a tombstone right after that, and Triple H kicks out again. And this is when you're like All right, all right, Triple H. I see where you're going with this. Mm -hmm. And uh, Triple H ends up reversing a Tombstone, hits a DDT on a chair, hits another Pedigree, and you're kind of like, all right. And then he kicks out again. He hits another Pedigree after that, and you're like, all right. And then he kicks out again, and you're like, okay, now I don't know what's gonna. Now I don't know what's going on. Like it's one of those matches where they do enough of the false finishes, and it's just the right people and setting where it just works Mm -hmm. to where now you're you're doubting. which is the best place to be. Absolutely. Triple H grabs a chair and just starts wailing on Taker. Hits him like 10 times just just while he's on the ground, just kills him. Taker ends up, he struggles to his feet and gets up, and then Triple H just nails him with a a headshot with the chair, which I'm pretty sure is the last headshot in WWE, because at the time they were already banned and they got in trouble for it. But it, it works. It's great. I'm glad they did it. They even show a replay of it, which kind of surprised me. If they were that mad, I guess they're like, well, it's already out there. Might as well capitalize. Yep. <laughs> so I respect Look, WWE for that. <laughs>
1: if we don't show it, then we're just wasting the concussion. We right. already got it. You right, might as well right. we then, show
0: it. And then, uh, and then there's, and like so Triple H is spent because he's just wailed with the chair and stuff. And he's lying down on the ground. Taker's just immobile. And Taker, like, can't get up. Like, he's trying to, like, roll up, and he can't. He just cannot physically get up. And Triple H just walks over to him and is just screaming at him to stay down and just die. And Taker then grabs Triple H's throat. And the crowd goes nuts. But Taker doesn't have any strength with it. And Triple H just knocks it away. And it looks like Flair in 2008. Like, it's almost mimicking that. And, like, the feel. It's so good. Triple H then does the, like, throat cut sign. Picks him up. Hits a tombstone hits the Undertaker with a tombstone, or I'm pretty sure that's... Maybe Kane has hit him with a tombstone, and other than that, that's never happened. It, it's over. Like, everyone knows it's over. Because, again, we saw this with Ric Flair. It's the same thing. Undertaker's yeah. done. This is the end. It's Triple H. Of course it's going to be Triple H. This is the end of the match. He crosses Undertaker's hands, and Taker kicks out at two! It is the single greatest moment of my entire life as far as wrestling goes. And nothing else is even close. Because they make you believe for that one second that the streak is going to end. And then it doesn't. And it is just amazing. The crowd is great. Triple H plays it amazing. I mean, he is shocked. He is shell-shocked. And so he walks out. And gets the only thing he knows to do at this point and gets the sledgehammer. Yeah. Comes back in the ring. Taker is trying to help himself. He's trying to get to the ropes to try and pull himself up because he can't move. And Triple H yanks him away into the middle of the ring. Goes down to pick him up to hit him with the sledgehammer. Taker grabs him and gets him in Hell's Gate. Unfortunately, he doesn't really get it right. So Triple H has to hold on to it to make it stay, which is kind of painful when you notice it. But if you just forget about that, it's great. And <laughs> Triple H is just writhing in pain, he cannot get out. Tries to he gets to his feet and start tries to like lift Take her up and then can't and collapses back down. Now he's trying to find the sledgehammer, which is laying on the ring. Finally gets to it, picks it up though, but then d- can't use it. It falls. And he finally taps. And the streak is still alive. And it is awesome. And the crowd just goes insane. Taker is immobile on the ground. After several minutes, Triple H finally gets up and walks out. But Taker still hasn't moved. And has to be carted off. And that's like the end of that. And it is just the... It's awesome. Because it's like the flare thing, but without... It's like if it went the other way. And it's done so brilliantly... And it's one of the, it's one of the best. I think it's one of the most, um, uh, like uh, underrated finishes in WrestleMania, and it's awesome. And I was there.
1: I love that comparison to the Ric Flair moment because I never really thought about that before. I think it kind of clouds your judgment when you rewatch these matches because it's in the context of the streak, and you know he's gonna win because that's what he always does. That's why it's the streak. So I never. I never got to experience that doubt as I watched this match, which sucks because I can't even imagine what that was like. I mean, I assume, can we talk about, can we talk about the next match or is that, um, what do you mean? That's not the, the next match in the streak. Oh, sure. The next year. That's not like your number one, right? No. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to, I didn't want to derail you completely. Why
0: would that have been my number one, Harris?
1: I don't, I don't. Why in any
0: world would I have put that over this one?
1: I don't know. Well, that's why I, just, <laughs> I thought it would be weird. But I, if you were going to be like, and then it escalated. Like, no. Anyway, that was like, I know that was the impetus for what they did next year with Hell in a Cell and its Undertaker's pride that, you know, he couldn't get up last right. year. But th- that's a great moment. That's the one I think of more is is the, uh, the sweet chin music into the pedigree. That near finish is one of sure. the favorite ones that I've ever seen. But I've never given that much thought to the one at WrestleMania 27 except for the fact that it built into that so it's really cool to hear you talk about it that way I'm definitely going to have to go give it another look because obviously like Undertaker Triple H it's got to be good I've never you know I don't think badly of it or anything right but it's so hard for me to put myself in that position and just imagine what it was like to not know
0: you know what I mean I know you're
1: absolutely I I wish I could but you're right because you know if anyone's going to do it it's Triple
0: H. Right. So, I mean, that was another big part of it. This would not have worked with, even with all the other stuff, which was done so well to to create doubt, it wouldn't have worked if it wasn't Triple H, just because you know how much of a bastard he is, and you yeah. know that he would put him, he would be the one to put himself to win that match, if there was ever anyone. So right. that that that's what made it even more so. So I remember, I remember the tombstone, I remember being like, because you go into this and you're just like, the streak's not going to end. It, it might be great, but it's not, you know, it's just not going to end. And right. then that happened and you're just like, they're doing it. The stri- We're about to see the streak end. And then he kicks out. Of- I remember me and my dad just looking at each other going like, what? Like it was just, oh, it was great.
1: That's amazing.
0: It was great. And I would have never thought in a billion years I put Triple H anywhere near this list. Because <laughs> to be honest, I still think he's one of the most overrated people ever. Because if you think how many great, I mean, this is different because this is personal for me, but how many greatest matches would you even consider that Triple H was in? There's not many when you really think about it. He's been in plenty of big matches, but very few where you're like, greatest match ever type discussion. Almost none. Maybe the Triple Threat in uh, 20. That's really the only one I can think of.
1: I don't know I mean I as someone who isn't as familiar with wrestling history it it feels weirder for me to weigh in on that fair but I know what you mean my whole experience with Triple H has been late career Triple H right which is Triple H making moments like this where it it, it matters that he just ran roughshod over everyone for 20 years because when he doesn't it's now a big deal right so I'm kind of biased in that regard so like I think of him, when I think of a great Triple H match, I think of him losing to Daniel Bryan at 30. That was a big part of what made 30 so special, but mm-hmm. it's because he lost. Right. You know what I mean? It has everything to do with that reputation he has.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But anyway, that's that's my uh, number two. So now we got the uh, final ones here. Yeah, that's... And I honestly into, have no idea what your number one is, and I'm really curious about this. You went,
1: you went into so much detail on that one, it's going to be hard for me to do it just I feel bad too cuz now one. we've
0: been talking so long I might have to make this thing 3 episodes and I really don't want to do that but it might happen. But that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> don't don't do not let that shorten any of this cuz I got well, I still have I have still have plenty to stay with my number 1.
1: Oh jeez. Okay. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to go that long for no, this one. No, that's fine. It,
0: you can do whatever you want.
1: It was very hard for me to pick between my 1 and my 2 and i ended up going with this one because it's still such a great moment and i have no storyline connections with it like 31 you know like i said that was the season finale of my first season of wrestling right if you want to think about it that way and this is nothing like that this is another match from um from i guess you could not quite the attitude era the sunset of the attitude era and The fallout from the Monday Night Wars, and I I wasn't there for any of that. I never watched any of that. But if people come to me and they say, like, what is pro wrestling all about in a storyline, in a moment that I can understand, this is consistently the one that I will think of, the one that I will bring up, the one that I will show them, just to prove how cool this form of storytelling can be. I'm talking about The Rock versus Hulk Hogan
0: ah, at WrestleMania of course. 18. Now, oh, of course.
1: from a work rate, no. This isn't really <laughs> that. This is a perfect wrestling match in every other sense. Mm-hmm. And if you know me, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that for me, like what you can do in the ring, I, I value that. That's important. It's not as important as everything else. I love your ability to tell a story. I love a wrestler's ability to work the crowd, to create a character that's, you know, the classic saying is themselves dialed up to 11. And all of that is so present in this moment, along with the hottest wrestling crowd I've ever seen. Yeah. It's the perfect showcase for what wrestling can be, and it's on the biggest stage, and Another match that I will sometimes show people is John Cena versus The Rock. Not because it has a lot of these same characteristics, but because everybody knows John Cena and The Rock. Mm -hmm. But this match works just as well on that plane because everybody knows Hulk Hogan. And everybody, everybody knows The Rock. And it's this incredible, like, clash of worlds. It's golden era, like, you know, 80s, Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania, and the Attitude Era. It's The Rock, there's nothing else you need to say about him. This is, the invasion angle never really worked. And no. the crossover that we wanted between WCW and WWE never really happened.
0: Because they never, they didn't commit to it. And that's why it didn't work. Exactly. I yeah. mean, we
1: could have another three-hour podcast about that. And a Jeez. lot of people have had a lot Probably more time could, yeah. to talk about it. But this moment, this instant, and this match is exactly what the invasion should have been. And it is, in a nutshell, in its purest form, exactly what everyone wanted Hulk Hogan has come back and it's so fun to watch this match with a person who isn't into wrestling and sort of explain it to them what's happening because it's such a surreal moment and it's something you're never going to see again because this arena is full of people who grew up watching and idolizing Hulk Hogan he was pro wrestling for so long and now he's back and he's a bad guy he's with the NWO like he's heel Hollywood Hogan But all of these people, they spent years thinking they might never see Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania again. Not for years, at least. He was a WCW guy. He was gone. He joined the enemy. And, you know, now as the attitude Era progresses, we move on. And the fans love these new, edgier characters like The Rock and Stone Cold. And getting to see the two of them together in the same ring. And it's really, I said this list was going to be a lot of moments. That moment where they just stare each other down and the crowd, it's like wave after wave of noise, and each wave just gets louder and louder and louder. And to the point where the Rock and Hogan kinda have to stop. And they just they just look from side to side and then look at each other and say Okay. And then they just go to work. And again, it's not it's not a really high work rate match. There's not a lot of really fancy wrestling here, but it doesn't matter. It's just the purest, like simplest, good guy and bad guy storytelling with the crowd going absolutely insane. Like Hulk Hogan has fallen out of a lot of people's good graces. And I get that, but he was pro wrestling for so long. And in this moment, he is everything that makes pro wrestling so much fun. And the moment where he stops and he wags his finger in The Rock's face is just amazing. And he says, what you're going to do? And the whole crowd, the whole crowd just goes bananas like they haven't in years because they are getting to watch Hulkamania run wild one more time. It's honestly, and the, the performance aspect of it, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of that was already planned anyway, but the fact that they go out there this is at the
0: beginning of the match.
1: A mixed reaction here at WrestleMania.
0: They haven't touched. Yeah.
1: we talking to the Rock earlier today. He was a big Hulkamaniac as a young man.
0: Look at this. Like, not a single person is sitting down. Not a single person isn't moving.
1: Yeah. This is a
0: Sorry, I had to find that, so I was a little late.
1: Oh, no, it's totally fine. That that standoff, that stared at it's,
0: it's classic.
1: It's the kind of thing that they try to replicate every year as a <laughs> WrestleMania moment. They do. And you can't force that. But when it's real and when it's that pure, I mean, it's, it's one of the greatest moments in wrestling. And, again, I love it because that's a moment you can point to for someone who's like, why should I watch this? It's all fake. That energy and that moment and the the talent of the two of them to look at each other and realize that this is bigger than they ever thought it was going to be and they're going to milk it for everything it's worth is just so great i don't know how much like how much of that match they were hamming up to get more of the hulkamania in there i don't think they, they didn't know that was going to happen and that moment when they get out there on that stage and find that waiting for them and then the performance they turn in
0: Hang on, hang on, Harris I finally got to this part Okay That was the, the finger part.
1: Oh, man. And the I can see The Rock's face as you play that clip. He was just the perfect foil for this moment. But, I, again, I, I get from, like, if you want to be technical about it, this isn't great technical wrestling. It doesn't matter. This is no. great pro wrestling. And there aren't a lot of moments like that, especially with Hulk Hogan, you know, as he got older. But they caught lightning in a bottle right there, man. And I think... Just objectively, it's got to be my greatest WrestleMania moment of all time.
0: Yeah, no, that is a fantastic one, for sure. Definitely one of the best moments in WrestleMania. So that's an awesome one, for sure. Alright, so uh, my number one is still, in my opinion, the greatest wrestling match of all time. And this also is a big deal because this is one of the first matches I remember watching. I mean, I watched... A lot of WCW stuff, obviously, and those are my first kind of memories of staying of Goldberg, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, those guys. But I don't remember necessarily what matches I was watching. I just kind of remember the characters. I remember when my dad sat me down and put in a VHS of WrestleMania 12 and showed me this match, which is, of course, the Iron Man match between Shawn Michaels and and Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. This is still the best match, I think, ever. These are two of the best in-ring workers ever. And this this is them at their peak. Both of them are at their peak. You have Shawn Michaels at the beginning of his peak, and you have Bret Hart right in the middle of his peak and at this moment. So it's just the perfect time, the perfect collision course of two guys, and it's awesome. Like, this match is literally hyped up as who is the best. That's the way this is built up. And actually, the uh, video package is voiced by Michael Cole, which is kind of funny to hear.
1: <laughs> this
0: is back in 96. And it feels real. Like, the interviews feel like sports interviews. Like, they cut to, like, Bret Hart wearing, like, his, you know, civilian clothes, holding the title, like, in the locker room. Not, like, in a stage. Not, like, with a... You know, the monitor behind him. Not any of that. It's just, like, against his, like, locker. Like, just kind of standing. It feels like a sports interview. The ones with Michael, they feel like sports interviews. Like, it-, it feels real. It's great. And Shawn Michaels has, by far, the best entrance in the history of wrestling. And it's not close. There's no question. He comes out, or the music hits. Jose Lethario comes out, his manager. And there's no Shawn. And you're kind of like, what? All right, well, where is he? And even Terry Lawler's like, he chickened out! Jose's coming in his place! Like, it's it's great. And then all of a sudden, Jose Lothario gets in the turnbuckle, points up towards the ceiling, and you see Shawn Michaels on top of the building, standing there, like 100 feet in the air. Sexy Boy hits again, and he comes ziplining down from the top of the building. And it is just the best moment ever. It is the best entrance in the history of wrestling, and I don't think there can be one that even could possibly top this.
1: Vince McMahon is on commentary, right? It's, yes, losing and his mind. Vince
0: McMahon is underrated too. He's a great co- uh, commentator, and he's he pretty much commentated most of Sean's best matches, like in these like middle '90s before JR yeah. took over. And it's great um, for me whenever like I could only think of Shawn Michaels matches when I hear Vincent McMahon say like, and Michaels now!" like that. That's always yeah. in my head like those go together. And so he yeah, he's great. I mean, he, he lands in the crowd and then like comes out and it's just this. This feels like the most important thing that's ever happened in wrestling, like just everything about this starting because, you know, they're going to be in here for an hour Wrestling for the title, trying to figure out who the best of the best is, and they do such a great job for that. And the beginning actually feel it feels like a real wrestling match because it's real slow. And some I've seen some people complain about it being slow, but but they're not just not doing anything. Like they're they're you have Bret Hart keeping a headlock on Shawn Michaels, and Shawn Michaels is try finally gets up, goes to shoot him off. You know, like that's how you get out of headlock. You shoot him off into the ropes. But Bret Hart holds onto him and drags him back down, like stuff like that. Like it's, it, it's never boring, at least not to me. It seems yeah, like it has
1: weight to it, right? Yeah, it's not like the ten-minute title matches you talked about earlier, where they have to hit everything.
0: Right, right. It has to be slow because it has to go for an hour, and they're they're both just trying to control the other ones. Michaels, for the most part, is being controlled by Hart at the beginning. Like he'll escape and then he'll be put like right back in the hole. So yeah. they they like pepper it in with little bursts of action. So it's not just the whole time, you know, th- them sitting there. And they're both yeah. faces, too, which is wild as well. And But much like the one you just talked about, Bret Hart kind of slowly starts to act a little bit heelish. He's not turning heel by any means. That would happen at the next WrestleMania against uh, Stone Cold. But he just starts to do a few heel things to kind of get the crowd to boo him a little bit and to be kind of uneasy and they just do a great job like I said they do a great job of putting action in spots while kills while still keeping this good methodical pace And after about 15 minutes they go out to the ring out of the ring for the first time Sean throws Hart's shoulder into the ring post and uh, that that'll be the thing that he works on against Hart and then he he goes for a super kick but he nails the timekeeper instead which is pretty awesome <laughs> it looks like he killed him like it looks like he's dead Like, cause he's just sitting there in a chair and then Hart moves out of the way and he just gets the full brunt of a sweet chin music, which is great. Beautiful. And then, like I said, the the smallest heel moves are starting to come out from Hart. And the match, the match is about Sean. Like this match is about Sean. And, and they both know it. Everyone knows it. This is about Sean achieving his dream that he's had since he was a kid and winning the title. And um, then, you know, then at this point, at one point, Sean's in control, working over Hart's shoulder for a, for a while. It's just, it's a great story, too, of Brett constantly getting frustrated, like he can't quite get into a role, and he's starting to slowly get mad, and so he starts to try moves that he doesn't normally do, like going to the top rope, which he doesn't really do, and mm-hmm. and then, like, it won't work out, like Sean will, like, knock him off or something, so there, there's a nice story there. Um, there's a great moment where Sean goes for a sweet chin music and Hart ducks it and then slides out of the ring like to, you know, to regroup like they do. And the crowd is just booing him at this point. Like, which is great. It's like a heel move. That's not a real heel move, but to the crowd it is, which is just fantastic. And then Sean just comes flying off the top turnbuckle with a diving clothesline to the floor, which at this point you got to think also like Sean was a high flyer like at this point. And in in wrestling, like he was going to the top rope, he was doing moonsaults, like, you know, so that's kind of a so they're constantly talking up that aspect of him. And nowadays you're like, well, it's just normal, like for the way wrestlers are now. But at the time, like this is very different. There's one moment that I thought of you because Sean hits a fisherman suplex, which is a a perfect plex like that was Mr. Perfect's uh, current hitting finishing move. Uh And and so and Vince calls it a perfect plex. And then he only gets a two count. And then Lawler comments that Sean must not be that perfect. And that made me think of you where you're like, well, the move only works if it's yours. <laughs> right. He's not as good at it as
1: Mr. Perfect. That's why it didn't work.
0: I love that, though. I was like, oh, Harris, awesome. Harris would awesome. appreciate that.
1: I do. That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> uh, there's one moment when Hart backdrops Sean all the way over the turnbuckle onto the floor. And Sean just like goes flying. Like he's probably like 15 feet in the air. And just comes crashing down. It kind of takes out a cameraman too. Like inadvertently a little bit. Which is kind of funny. Because the the camera shot was on that cameraman. So you see like the camera fall. Which is funny. (laughs) Um, Hart ends up picking him up. And slamming his lower back into the ring post. And that is now going to be the other story. For the remaining 20 minutes. So Brett is selling his shoulder. Sean is now selling his lower back. And that is just. Hart's just going to town. On Sean's lower back. Just beating the crap out of him. Which makes perfect sense because his move is the sharpshooter. So it it works perfectly. Like the beats in this match, the the psychology in smacks are all just perfect. Everything leads to something. And the crowd is being built up. The crowd was almost like a New Japan crowd for the first maybe 15-20 minutes. Where they were cheering moves but then just kind of silent in between. Because it's a long match. There's a lot going on. And this is the end of the show. But now the crowd has been built up and they're just, they're nuts right now. They're reacting to everything. Sean ends up, uh, well, there's still a little, he ends up on the outside getting thrown off and kind of runs into Jose Lothario. And then when Bret Hart comes to bring him back in, you see Hart yelling at Jose Lothario. Just like little, these little like heel beats just to kind of keep the crowd really going for Michaels without turning mm-hmm. heel. Like it's just brilliant work by Bret Hart in this match. And, and now Lawler, who's the heel announcer and has hated both these guys, is starting to back Brett more, too, which is yeah, interesting also. Brilliant. And uh, then there's a belly-to-belly. Belly that's only for a two count, so clearly he's not better than Bailey. Um, Bret Hart, Um thought of you with that one, too. Great. Let's see. Uh, there was a, uh, Bret Hart ended up hitting a suicide dive and then leaves Sean out to be counted, and the crowd is just booing the crap out of him while he's in the ring. For, for like, just leaving Sean out there. Which, again, is great. He then gets mad that the ref's not counting faster. So, again, like, these are heel moves. But in this psychology of the match, they're not. Because he's, like, frustrated. He's been wrestling for, like, 50 minutes. And can't put this guy away. So, it's, like, it all works. And it's just, oh, it's so good. Sean ends up getting back in. They trade shots. Hart then hits a headbutt. And Sean goes down, but then Hart also drops to his knees because he has to recover because he just hit a headbutt, which Excellent. you don't see things like that done now. And even yeah, the and lovely. even like Jerry Lawler mentioned, like why would you do a headbutt? That hurts you just as much. Like you just don't see these little things done. It's just brilliant selling by Bret Hart. Um, I mean, Bret. Bret is, I mean, Bret's the one running this match. I mean, that is very clear um, yeah. just from watching it. Both are just spent. There's an awesome superplex that Bret Hart hits off the top rope. Um, Now there's about six minutes to go. Hart looks for an elbow, but Sean gets the feet up in his face. Bret ends up taking a turnbuckle to the. Like, Sean Irish whips him into the turnbuckle, like forward where his chest hits. And Bret always took those so well. Like, he hits him so hard. It makes me hurt when I watch (laughs) him. Sean hits a flying elbow. Um,. Uh, and then ends up he does that like, the, you know, it's like dive his, like not not the diving elbow but the one he does like off the ropes. And that usually leads to him doing the kip up when he's laying there. Yeah. And so he's laying there and then the camera cuts to Bret Hart and it misses the kip up freaking Kevin Dunn. One thing in this match, there's a lot of moments that are missed. Like the camera, the directing is not nearly what we are very used to seeing in WWE. And it's really kind of funny. There are several things that are missed. I cannot believe they missed that part. Um, so Sean's now like you know doing his own hulking up and getting energy. The crowd's now starting to go crazy. Sean hits a yep. diving elbow, heart kicks out. Now there's only two minutes to go. Sean hits a moonsault, heart again kicks out. They're just flying back and forth. There's like 90 seconds. Sean goes for a move off the top, heart catches him, puts him in the sharpshooter with 30 seconds to go. Crowd is berserk at this point. Like, can Sean hold on? Like, he's his back's shot. He can barely move. He has a sharpshooter on. The clock's just counting down. The cloud's counting down. But Sean never taps. And so, the match is over. That means it's a draw, and that means that Hart's still the champion. And the crowd does not like that at all. But Gorilla Monsoon comes out, says that this match has to continue, and now it'll be sudden death, and the crowd goes nuts. And Hart, is, Hart has already, like, walked halfway down the ramp with his title. So he has to come all the way back, throws the title on the ground. He's pissed, gets back in, and then just starts beating up Shawn Michaels. Shawn then hits the switch-in music out of nowhere, doesn't quite get all of it, though, and can't quite make the cover. So they're both struggling to get to their feet, and then this is what happens. It's not over. This capacity crowd buzzing. They've never seen anything quite like this. And we have a new champion, Shawn Michaels, wins the title for the first time at WrestleMania off the sweet chin music. And of course, one of the greatest lines in the history of wrestling. The boyhood dream One of the best calls of all time. It's
1: hard to overemphasize how important that call is because it's like every storyline that they have now is some variation of that.
0: Yes, pretty
1: much. Every single person who, because everybody who wrestles now saw that match and said, I want to do that. You know, they grew up watching these guys. So every time somebody wins a title, that becomes the story. And it's true, but you're right. That's such an iconic moment.
0: Yeah. And that just props to, again, because Vince is just, he was so good on commentary and that's just, it's such an amazing moment. I still think that's the best match of all time. The story that's told is unlike anything else, both. These are two of the best ever, um, at, at what they do. The buildup was amazing. And then the finish is great. The, the the kind of swerve within the match restarting, it's just right. all done so, so well. And I still think that's the best match ever. And that, to me, is the best ever moment in WrestleMania. It's a
1: great way to end it.
0: Yeah. So that was a long show. Appreciate you guys holding on here. I kind of figured it would be long. And then... Uh, it was. Ooh. So that's that's fine. Harris is now at you, work till like 10, 10 tonight. But oh, well, yeah,
1: probably it's fine.
0: <laughs> it won't be, it sorry be it about be that. that long,
1: but... But no, I was thinking like, I oh, well, you know, I'll just I'll step out to my car and we'll record for like an hour, hour and a half like we normally do. And then I'll go back in and I'll be out by like seven. And
0: now. Right. it's woo yeah. Yeah. If you listen
1: to this whole thing. Congratulations. Or I'm sorry. I'm not sure which. Right. Thank you. Let us know some of your favorite WrestleMania moments. If we left them off the list, I imagine I kind of thought you might do uh Bret Hart and Stone Cold at WrestleMania 13. I know that one gets thrown out there a lot. That is a
0: great one. And there's many there's many other fantastic WrestleMania moments for sure. Um, yeah. And again, these are not the best WrestleMania moments of all time. These are our favorite WrestleMania yeah. moments of all time, which we probably should have harped on at the beginning just so people aren't like throwing things at this point. I feel but like they
1: figured it out by now.
0: I hope so. But uh yeah so yeah thank you so much for listening to this uh, special edition here of Behind the Gorilla. We'll be back with a uh be back with a real episode or at least a normal episode next although our episodes aren't normal. They're very weird. So we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll have a regular episode next week um with some strange moment in wrestling history for sure. So uh yeah, give us a uh, go ahead and give us a rating and review on iTunes. Um yeah. Even if you didn't like it. Talk about how we got all this wrong, and we missed by not putting, um, I don't know, Sable versus Tory Wilson on the list or something. So, if you're if you think that, then just go ahead and let us know. Um, and uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla. That's where I post all the links to all the content we have, all of our thoughts on wrestling. We'll definitely be utilizing that on um, Sunday during WrestleMania for sure. And yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at markmarkbrand.
1: And I'm at Harris Wilson and yeah, definitely do it especially this weekend if you can cuz yeah. we're going to be tweeting about wrestling for eight straight hours and we're yep. going to go a little insane along with everyone else doing it.
0: Oh, we but will. But it's going to be great. It will I'm it really always excited. is. Even when it sucks it's great cuz it's WrestleMania. It is. And then then we can at least have fun hating it. Like there's always something fun to be had with WrestleMania regardless. So, Absolutely. You cannot wait for that. So again, yeah, thanks so much for listening to this uh, special edition of Behind the Gorilla. And again, I'm Mark and I'm Harris. Have a wonderful rest of your week and enjoy, of course, WrestleMania.